2: College campuses in five states locked down due to bomb threats.
1: These are certainly disturbing, uh, and the White House is in touch with the interagency partners.
2: Looking ahead to this week's jobs report, there's bigger things
1: pushing the job market around now.
2: The race is on to find treatments for COVID survivors who suffer from long term effects. If we don't get, we don't learn something very quickly going to get harder and harder to make a difference for these people. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast, your first look at today's top stories for Tuesday, February 1st. I'm Mike Scott. At least a half dozen historically black universities in five states and the District of Columbia responded to bomb threats yesterday, with many of them locking down their campuses for a time. At a news conference, White House Press Secretary Jen Saki says the Biden administration is keeping tabs on the threats.
1: We're relieved to hear uh, that Howard and Bethune-Cookman Universities have been given the all-clear and will continue to monitor these reports. The president is aware, I don't believe he's received a formal briefing, but he is aware of these reports.
2: Saki also went on to say that the threats against the historically black schools are disturbing.
1: These are certainly disturbing, uh, and the White House is in touch with the interagency partners, including federal law enforcement leadership on this. Looking
2: at tensions in the Ukraine, Lieutenant Colonel James Carafano joined Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan and Amy and shared what he thought of how the Biden administration is handling that crisis. When asked how President Biden is addressing the situation in Ukraine, he said this.
3: Biden is being driven by the politics of this which is, he's remarkably consistent, whether it was Afghanistan or Cuba or the Iran deal or whatever else. It was always what was good for his domestic politics, and that always framed the conversation. And how do our allies feel about this? Since the day Biden came into office, Bill and other senior U.S. officials have been running around all Europe, are running around here in the United States and other places, not on the record, off the record, but in off the record places where everybody knows, everybody's going to find out what you said. And they have been telling everybody, look, if something happens to Ukraine, it's the Europeans' problem.
2: If war does break out in Ukraine, how does the lieutenant colonel thing, President Biden, will handle it?
3: If there's a war, he's going to pay, no the country isn't going to rally around Joe Biden. That's nonsense. But second of all, it's the worst possible war for Biden, because it's one under which he will have no control. If it's a war, it'll be a war between Russia and Ukraine. And and he will really, other than giving arms to Ukraine, he will really have a major influence here. So there there is no upside for here. Biden has already taken a couple of body blows on this. There, there is no recovery from this.
2: So what could be the
3: solution? The solution here is, is unbelievably mind-boggling simple. One is if NATO has robust conventional military deterrence, and two, if we have energy security and the transatlantic community is not dependent on Russia energy, Russia simply is irrelevant and doesn't matter anymore. We can all stick our tongue out of them and, and, and do razzie.
2: North Korea confirmed it test-launched an intermediate-range ballistic missile capable of reaching the American territory of Guam in its most significant launch in almost five years. Correspondent Charles D. Ledesma reports.
0: Sunday's launch could be a prelude to bigger moves by North Korea, such as nuclear and long-range missile tests that pose a direct threat to the American mainland, as the North tries to further pressure the Biden administration. North Korea says the test verifies the accuracy of the missile, which was launched towards waters off its east coast on a high angle to prevent flying over other countries. It gave no further details. According to South Korean and Japanese assessments, the missile flew nearly 500 miles, reaching a maximum altitude of nearly 1,250 miles. I'm Charles de Lodesma.
2: Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt has filed more than 40 lawsuits against school districts in his state for what he says are illegal mask mandates. Daybreak Insider's Bob Agnew has
3: more. We're going to pry the power away from these bureaucrats and give it back to parents. Schmidt
2: says to do that, he's suing school districts over mask mandates, which he says are not only ineffective against COVID, but also causing psychological harm for students.
3: The loss of learning. Uh, People being able to uh, relate to folks. And
2: what he opened a tip line for parents about schools imposing what he says are illegal mask mandates.
3: We received 11,000 emails from across Missouri. People have had enough of this. They want their country back and they want to be able to make their own decisions. Schmidt
2: was interviewed by the Salem Radio Network. Bob Agnew reporting. A Michigan ballot drive that was launched Monday would make it easier to vote, creating more than a week of early voting letting all voters request an absentee ballot for future elections and requiring prepaid postage on return envelopes. Promote the Vote's president, Kalilah Spencer, says the Promote the Vote ballot drive would make it easier to vote.
0: We are proud to announce a new ballot proposal, Promote the Vote 2022. Um, Our goal is simple, really, is to continue building a voting system that works for everyone in Michigan. Spencer
2: went on to say it's important to make voting easier, not harder.
0: Voters told us that time and time again that they wanted elections to be secure and accessible. In essence, voters want to be able to vote free from interference, harassment, and intimidation.
2: The prosecutor who's investigating whether former President Trump and others broke the law by trying to pressure Georgia officials to overturn Joe Biden's presidential election victory is asking the FBI for security help. The Georgia DA investigating former President Donald Trump reached out to the FBI after the former president called people investigating him radical, vicious, and racist prosecutors at a Texas rally over the weekend. Correspondent Kate Brumback has more.
1: The Fulton County District Attorney, Fannie Willis,
3: said that she is concerned after Former President Donald Trump made comments over the weekend at a rally in Texas criticizing prosecutors who are looking into his actions. And so she has asked the FBI for some additional security help.
2: The White House is preparing for a week January jobs report, which is due to be available to the public this coming Friday, February 4th. The Biden administration is looking at the Omicron variant as a reason for the anticipated lackluster job growth. Jerry Boyer, host of the Meeting of the Minds podcast and Town Hall Finances editor, joined the Daybreak Insider to discuss that and other economic factors to keep an eye on this week. When asked about the job market's biggest hurdles, Jerry told us. There's
1: bigger things pushing the job market around now. Uh, than our central bank policy. What are the big things? Well, um, we aborted, what, 60, 70 million people, so we have a demographic gap.
2: And how does this demographic gap impact the job market?
1: That leaves a dysfunctional labor market. I mean, that's not the worst thing about it, of course. I mean, the taking of human life is, is bad in and of itself. But one of the many negative effects is that you get a demographic curve, which leaves people, you know, there's, there's people retiring and they're not being replaced by other people. So that's a problem.
2: So what else is hurting the job market?
1: Also, we have a declining work ethic problem. In other words, it used to be that, say, young men would never dream of they'd be ashamed to play video games all day, you know, rather than get a job when jobs are available. Um, Not just young men, I mean, young people in general. Um, Now, that stigma is sort of gone. Boyer explains
2: what he means by
1: that. There are people who are able to work. There are jobs, but they're just not taking them. Uh, So that's a cultural force. And the Fed pumping up interest rates or pumping them down isn't really going to change culture very much. It just reflects a negative culture. So I think the things that are distorting the labor market are, you know, the the biggest things aren't the technical aspect of Fed policy.
2: Will we see inflation rise in the first and second quarters?
1: Probably, um, because there's a delay when it comes to reporting the cost of housing.
2: Boyer went on to explain...
1: So, in other words, the numbers, for a mathematical reason, the inflation numbers are likely to go up because the CPI, the index that tracks inflation, is going to catch up with what's been going on in rent.
2: Looking ahead, where does he see
1: inflation going? That doesn't mean that next year altogether will be as bad, or let's say this year, 2022, will be as bad as 2021 was in terms of inflation. I don't think it will. But the thing is, it doesn't have to be as bad as 2021 to be really bad. More than a
2: third of COVID-19 survivors, by some estimates, will develop such lingering problems as severe brain fog, pain, and fatigue. Dr. Walter Koroshetz at the National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke Says they're looking for ways to address the neurological symptoms of COVID 19 before they become a long term problem. If we don't get, we don't learn something very quickly, it's going to get harder and harder to make a difference for these people. That in general, the sooner after the condition starts, the better your chance of intervening um, and even figuring out what's going on Uh, because it gets just so much more complicated as time goes on. In a recent interview, COVID-19 patient Nancy Rose says her symptoms of long-term COVID seem to get worse as days go by. The hardest part for me was the brain fog, the fatigue, and that uh, different parts of my body just ached. And
1: the best time for me still is in the morning,
2: It's Chinese New Year. While celebrations for the Year of the Tiger in China are muted, they also bring some hope. Correspondent Bernie Bennett looks at the Lunar New Year. People across Asia prepared Monday for muted Lunar New Year celebrations amid concerns over the coronavirus and virulent Omicron variant even as increasing vaccination rates raise hopes that the year of the tiger might bring life back closer to normal. The Lunar New Year is the most important annual holiday in China and falls on Tuesday, February 1st. Each year is named after one of the 12 signs of the Chinese zodiac and a repeating cycle. This will be the third new year in a row celebrated in the shadow of the pandemic. Bernie Bennett reporting. And finally, television has lost one of its
0: best. Howard Hessman has died. The veteran actor played the disc jockey Dr. Johnny Fever on the sitcom WKRP in Cincinnati. He died in Los Angeles due to complications from colon surgery. Hessman, who actually had been a radio personality in the 1960s, earned two Emmy nominations for playing the Wacky Morning Jock on WKRP. That show ran from 1978 till 1982. Howard Hessman was 81. Jason Walker reporting